welcome to the podcast. It's so great to finally have you on. Thanks for being here. Angela, I'm so happy to be here. I can't wait for the conversation. Yes, yes. And I feel like this has been a long time coming, so I appreciate your patience. Um, and, you know, I've we've been kind of circling around some some great topics to bring to the audience. So let's just start with uh, with you. Would love to hear more about you, what your origin story is, and then what is the impact you're looking to make on the world? Okay, well, I guess I'll start with the fact that I call myself the pivot catalyst and a lot of people ask, so what is that? And what I found is one, as an entrepreneur and someone who shifted from corporate to to entrepreneurship, but not in a conscious way, just more of in a heartfelt, I want something different for myself, not I want to be an entrepreneur. And also while I was in corporate, helping leaders make decisions that would have a significant impact or influence on the organization. And really those are pivots. A pivot is a significant change. And so the message that I wanted to send was that Pivots, the decision to pivot is fast, but the realization that you need to pivot, that awareness takes time. So you as a leader need to spend time on that. Where do we need to change? And the realization of the that two state, we want to move from here to there, doesn't happen quickly. And so there are things that everyone in the organization that has influence over others they are leaders they're also likely managers there are things that they need to do to keep that organization vibrant so when you asked you know what i want you know what is my big purpose it truly is vibrancy and in all of the terms that i use like orchestrating a pivot and and catalyzing momentum and aligned momentum you know, they're all about having a vibrant organization, which I define as one that stays ahead, one that maintains its highest value and is a great place to work. And it's an and, all three of those. That's what a vibrant organization is. That's what I very much care about. I love that. And I love the fact that you've mentioned that it's an and and not an or, because I think sometimes we... We feel like we need to, uh, you know, kind of prioritize one over the other. Oftentimes, you know, the, the value, the the output is is prioritized over the people. But we have to realize it's the people who create the output. So, how does one get there? So, tell us a little bit more about kind of your philosophy around how we get to that vibrancy within an organization. So, I mentioned I'm an entrepreneur. Frankly, when I was in corporate, and I've been working for quite some time, I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur. I didn't know what was going on. I'm a high achiever and I see things that need to be solved. That didn't always work that well in corporate. And then when I came out and I I did so well and it's like, wow, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm always looking at why is this so challenging? So one of the thoughts that was going through my head rec recently, like in the last few years is why was I a bad manager? I mean, I love people and I, I really care about getting things done and I care about their success. So why was I a quote, bad leader as a manager? Hmm. And, and that's cause I don't, cause I'm not a bad person. And I think many managers, we hear about bad managers, but I think many that are in that role are not bad people. 
And so I've been noodling on how do I help managers lead better? What, what is it that can require it? Is it that, oh, we need to throw out performance reviews and oh, we need to, we're like tweaking it at the, the work that's done as if that's gonna create a better leader or we're sending to leadership training and, and it, it, it makes a nudge, but it's not, they're not living it. And, and so, you know, I really, what, what I've come up with is how it is a, is a system. And I know you talk about systems a lot, Angela. I mean, that's really what you need to have, have something that you want to change in your organization, go beyond an initiative and a project to be something that's truly woven into the organ, your organization. That is just, this is how we work here. It needs to have a system to be, I mean, do, is that what you see too? That when yeah, there's a system? I, yeah, so I mean, you're talking about transcending, you know, from just words to actions, but also, you know, you kind of think about like the reinforcement system, right? Like you can't have a house without some reinforcement. So um, what is that reinforcement? And um, actually the other day, it's inter interesting because I, I get a lot of questions around, you know, what what is culture uh, or what is um, culture change look like? And I think you talked about pivots and I'm trying to find this little note that I wrote down the other day. Um, and so the way that I defined culture was it's the things we say, it's the things we do, and it's the things we reinforce. Mm -hmm. And those things turn into the unsaid, unsaid and collectively understood and upheld. So what are those reinforcement systems that are driving a value or a behavior or a way to lead? Um, that's really kind of what I think you're, you're talking about when you talk about pivots. But it's like identifying where those reinforcements happen, which is the hard part. <laughs> it's, it's, it is the hard part. And the other thing that I that I realized was that we get management. Mm. We love management. We love to get work done. We love to check the boxes. Mm -hmm. When you step into a leadership role, there are, your role is not a lot of check boxes. And, and it's comfortable to be back in the checkbox stage, but our role is to look into the unknown into the future. And our role is to see what it, what is it like to work in our organization? Hmm. And, and you know, our, our role is just more, it, it's all those things that in management is uncomfortable because it's change, because it might be risky, because we might look bad all of those things that you know we we don't we don't like mm -hmm. and and so you you need to create something within your organization that is a different kind of culture than what you created in the world of only management or 90 percent management and 10 percent leadership mm -hmm. and um so th these things i've been I've been, I've been battling with, and I, I think I've come up with a, a solution, at least a start. Um, and, and the other thing is that when you start, I don't believe in just completely throwing something out unless you absolutely know you don't use it or it's not working. Yeah. And so that's not necessarily the answer. It is best next steps. Mm. It is 
tweaks. It is how do we measure progress, not just the end goal. Those are the things that we need to start um, focusing on. I know this sounds a little vague. Maybe you could help me be a little bit more concrete for your audience. No, I, I think it's, um, you know, you're talking about iteration and, you know, there are, there are some things when you talk about systems work, you know, there's some things you just have to demolish, I believe, and maybe you don't, you don't agree. Um, we have to deconstruct them. There are things that are rotting. There are things that, you know, the reinforcement system is, is, is not working. So we've got to tear it down and rebuild it. Um, but there are some things that just require a little bit of tweak, you know, a little bit of a paint job, a little bit of a um, small upgrade that can make a big difference. And I think when we talk about leadership, um, we're we're asking different things from leaders that they ha that that haven't proven successful perhaps to them before. So you know, you talk about management. You know, when somebody takes an MBA class, for example. Um, you know, everything's focused on management. There's not a lot of leadership. There's not a lot of leadership as a responsibility to people and supporting them and mentoring them. We're more focused on accounting and the numbers and a balanced scorecard and all those different terms. So I, I, I don't know if that helped, you know, kind of like put into perspective what we're talking about here. But I did want to ask what how do you think the responsibility of the leader is shifting? Yes. Well, the other thing I battled with was, so how would this be done? So I am a performance management. You're talking about performance management. I'm a performance management expert. Mm -hmm. So I'm great at measurement. I'm great at all of those management things. And yet, as I'm building this, this is kind of like when you write a book. It's when you're writing a book, you don't know it all unless you're writing a very instructive book. Like when I was writing Pivot to Clarity, right? am I always clear? No, I'm not always clear. So how do you how do you find the words and actions to to make this change even within your even within yourself? And so um, when we talk about when you talked about totally destroying something, he, here's what I find though I find that people aren't going enough to the crux of the matter first. Mm -hmm. So let's take the horrible performance review for example. Get rid of it. Well, is it really the piece of paper that you're getting rid of? I mean, the crux of the matter was how performances, performance reviews were being done, the context within how performance reviews were being used. Some of those things were what needed to be changed mm -hmm. and not necessarily the fact that people should be reviewed to see how they've done mm, because people want to know how they've done, but it's all that other stuff. So the crux of the matter was not the form yeah. is, is my point. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think it gets to root, root cause. Um, it gets to what are you ultimately looking to accomplish? I think sometimes we are so set in ways of doing things, paradigms, right? Like we have an annual performance review and then we check in quarterly and we have our mid-year review. And we don't really stop to think about what is the outcome we're looking to achieve? What are the behaviors we're looking to drive? And those things should be driving the process versus the process for the sake of process. Right. And that's how I see a pivot. And that's how I see the leader's role. I see the leader's role as or continuously orchestrating a culture that is ready to pivot that that can make many shifts by many people over time mm. 
And so it, it requires one thing that you talk a lot about, a safe place mm -hmm. where people will step up and speak out, mm -hmm. you know, and where they're empowered to make that change. It requires clear communication. You get it as the leader. You've thought about it for weeks and weeks. And then what? You explain it once or or you put it in a budget and think that's going to be inspiring or you know you have no idea how other how the work is actually done and you're getting way too far into the detail as if you do know how the work is actually getting done so these are the things that we need to start um, addressing not just what piece of paper is, is going around that the piece of paper is not causing the problem Yes. Well, you, you mentioned a few, I think, really key points about um, how to manage change. And I would just, um, you know, from a leadership perspective, I would probably just add one more thing, which is transparency, too, is being able to be vulnerable and say, I don't I don't know all the details yet. I don't understand this myself, but here's what I know. And let's have some conversation about it. What concerns you about that? And I will I will make a promise to you that I'm going to keep you updated as I learn information and as I process it. So I don't think we do enough of that, like in between um, kind of overly communicating, uh, being a little vulnerable to say, I don't know, or, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm, I'm here in this with you. Um, so do you see that as a common tactic when we talk about pivots? Yes. And I see a, a way to save leaders from that. Oh my goodness, I can't not know. Mm. So one type of decision is a decision about the future. Mm -hmm. You don't want to mess it up, but we can't know the future. As a leader, you're looking into the future, you're gathering as much data as you can, or, or it's way out and it's coming from your heart and your head and your ideas and future thinking. And but you can't know. So why are you trying to come across as if you know, you don't know? And then the other is something that's happened in the past and decisions that are telling you, hey, we don't wanna do this anymore. We don't wanna mess up in this way. Well, that you can get more concrete about, mm. but it's those that are closer to the work that you need to reach out to for discovery. So you need to discover, you need to take the time to discover. So it's one of the reasons I wrote Pivot to Clarity in two sections. One about getting clear for you when it is about the future. How do you even do that? Mm. And one key to that is just giving yourself time to do it mm. and, and shedding these needs, the, the need to know and shedding the need to be in a strategic planning session and get to just absolute detail in that session. And then the second part is communicating in a way where it lands with everyone else. And so there, you know, there's different types of clarity. There's that we're going to discover what happened to get as crystal clear as possible. And there's that early on, well, we can't be clear. It's more of a, um, this is where we think we're headed mm -hmm. state. And, and in that state, the leaders can have a give in the first one, the one where they're getting clear for you, they can say, I don't know, because they can't possibly know the future. Yes. And I think, you know, any reasonable human being um, is acknowledging and is, is resilient enough to understand 
you know, when all the answers aren't in front of them. You know, I think as long as the transparency and the fairness is there, um, which I think is another important part of, you know, a leader can be transparent, but if the organization is not creating an environment where people feel like they're ultimately going to be treated fairly um, or going to be considered or supported through change, that sometimes makes it hard for the leader too to, to communicate because they're working within a system where perhaps those employees have been, I don't know, quote unquote, burned in the past when it come, came to different changes. So how do you, how do you balance those two realities with pivots? Uh, and that's a tough one. And so there's a process to a pivot and the first is the safe place and a key to being able to expertly orchestrate a pivot is to be honest with yourself of where you are in that. And, and so if, if you're not, if the place is not safe, let, let's take Microsoft, for example, when Satya Nadella stepped in, right? And, and there were all these things, these initiatives that were moving forward on, and he knew he needed to start with culture and the competitive nature of Microsoft. Mm. That's a safe place issue. That's, that's a big risk with shareholders to start with culture. Luckily, it's becoming um, more accepted, you know, to wait because culture change takes, as you know, it takes some time. But if you don't start there, then you aren't going to get the honest feedback. You are still going to have the, the fear and the memories of, well, this is what happened when we did this before, so we don't trust it yet. Yeah. And that, and that is, um, so, you know, some of the work that, that I do around culture change, you know, we spend before we even get to like the diagnostic and the assessment, we have to spend at least two months. Um, and we, you know, the, this, the phase of our process is called invitation where we invite everyone into the process and we work through all that muck, all of that skepticism, all of the concerns, um, it's so necessary because yeah, you could just jump right into the initiative and you're going to get the eye rolls and it's not going to be sustainable and you're going to end up right back where you started. So, and on that note, so why aren't we as organizations doing that all the time? Hmm. Why is it a, oh my gosh, we're in trouble and now we need to focus on this. And, and by the way, it's going to end in six months. Why? I mean, what you just said, that is leadership. <laughs> and, and, and it's not just the leader at the top. Why isn't that woven into your organization? What, why, are, why are managers not safe for their teams? Why is this? And, and again, I'm not saying that they're all bad managers. There's, there's other reasons. We just need to keep getting to the crux of that matter. Mm -hmm. Part of it is that the managers are so overwhelmed with managing work, incentivized to manage work, to check the boxes off, mm -hmm. uh, only given tools to manage work. And, and the leadership team is expected to know-it-all and these are the things that are broken oh those are two really just powerful things that you just said i think around 
uh, how we measure, how we incentivize. Um, this gets back to culture, which you know is really your value system. So if you're sending signals with process that you value the work only and you only value shareholder return, that's what you're gonna get. Uh, and that really impacts how people work. So, um, and then you mentioned, you know, thinking about leadership as, um, it's, it's really a trickle down effect. Um, if you don't have safe leaders, then that could certainly impact how leaders are able to Im impact and work with their teams. So we have to be role modeling these things and role modeling them really well for people to understand it and really given permission to do things like speak up and to contribute and to be a part of the change and a part of the solution. Right. So how do you get to that point where every person knows that their manager or, or someone who has some some influence over the career has their back and wants them to be successful so much so that it even if they're the star in one team that the, the person who's watching their career is just happy to have them go off into another team how do we create I and mean, these are the questions i always ask myself when i'm and i typically end up buying you know building software from this because it's difficult to just consult it mm -hmm. with it and also when it's a consulting engagement it tends to be seen as an initiative or a project and so what what can you do you know what's your end goal your end goal should be that these these changes and the way of change is woven into your organization and and that's you know what i continuously try to update and, and change to, to help organizations um the most i can because all the leaders i work with are so darn busy they're so it, there's so much that well you're probably busy too i'm busy too <laughs> i mean it's just you know there's there's got to be a way to 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 be great leaders and help others build up others so that great work is done. Brilliant execution is what I call it. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really great point um, around managing the work. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about your organization and you're thinking about what leadership means at your organization, I think this is an opportunity to really audit and, and ask your leaders how much of your time is spent doing the work directing the work and also leading your people. <laughs> if 80 to 90% of it is doing the work and directing the work, you don't have a leadership team, you have a management team. And so what I hear a lot of the times is, oh, we've gotta be player coaches. And I agree, that is a reality. We have to do the work, we have to you know, direct the work, okay. but leadership is a entirely different set of skills and and responsibility to the organization. Are you ensuring that in that leadership role, you are freeing up that time for people to put their brain energy investment and love and care into it, right? That takes time. Yes, and I'm sure you help them. Because one of the things that is um, a challenge is, what is it that we do? Right. Yes. And again, this is why I create a, a great systems because it, it answers that question. And, and do you as the manager have to do it all? No. So for example, the system I created includes peer to peer assessments. What's it like to work here? 
-hmm. And, and it's not, it's not, the onus isn't entirely on the manager. The manager's reviewing the person, the manager's having goal setting a future look. No, it's, it's about the organization and how everybody works together. Um, and yet it has to become a rhythm. There has to be some action that's taken from it. Because if you throw out an assessment and people spend time, especially if they put their all in into it and nothing happens, it's going to die pretty quickly. So th this is what you could, you know, how do you carve out some time to start doing that? What I find is, is those who are really trying to, maybe you found this too, be better leaders are trying to carve out more time to have one-on-ones that end up going one hour, three hours, and they're great to do. And yet then overwhelm kicks in mm. and they're dropped and, and on both sides. And, 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 and so, you know, we're, it's okay. You're trying it, experiment, mm -hmm. and then, you know, find a way, find a way that works for everyone. Well, I'm glad you got to the tactics because, um, you know, I would love to kind of close our time today with, you know, you, you telling everybody how they can find you if they want to work with you. There's a lot of great things that you've mentioned around how you could help organizations, but I also know you've developed some software to help with the, the rhythmic discipline of the, the tactics. So tell us a little bit more about that and then where we can find you if somebody wanted to, to reach out. Okay. So, um, well, first I'll say where to find it is my site is thepivotcatalyst.com. You can also find it under my name, but sometimes that's harder to spell. Uh, the software, you can find the software from there. The software site is called alignmomentum.com. And it is software plus a program. So our, the first clients we're working with and we're selecting a few for now is, is a combination um, engagement where we're going in and helping them create the system that fits them and is going to you know last for them for at least a couple years and so it's a consulting engagement though but that leaves behind the system that they want to have in place uh, with with software so it's our consulting and quote, train the trainers and then the software that's that's left behind and what we're looking for are those that really you know, are, have commitment from the top to, to, to get this, you know, to make this happen for their organizations. It can be that you want a specific department to change. I mean, you can start there, um, but, but to, to try it, to try something new and, and know that you can do this without adding a lot of work to your workday. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Lori, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for talking to us about systems, um, about how this gets built into leadership and manifested through the day-to-day -day actions and behaviors um, and how that can ultimately compound and contribute to pivots um, within an organization. I could talk to you all day, um, but uh, thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us.